Welcome to the Limitless Grit Podcast, where we have conversations with social entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and ordinary people who are achieving extraordinary results. And now, here is your host, Shristi Gajarel. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Limitless Grid Podcast. In today's episode, I have none other than amazing Bailey O'Brien. I heard about Bailey and her story through one of my really good friends, Trisha Prince. I asked her, hey, Trisha, do you know anyone who's like super incredible and has a great story? And she told me, you should definitely reach out to Bailey. So I did some research and I was so inspired and fascinated by her story. So in 2011, she was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer and a doctor said she only had a few months to live and she there's literally nothing that they could do. So she didn't agree with that. She looked for alternative medicine and she was healed in a couple of months. So in today's episode, she talks about how she healed herself through cancer. She talks about her faith, what keeps her going and how she was able to be cancer-free for for last six years and how she's helping other people to live a better life and find the best alternative medicine for them. So this episode really opened my eyes. It really inspired me to eat healthy and, you know, be more conscious about how I lived my life. So Bailey is truly an inspiration and a lot of people have been texting me and emailing me and saying how the episodes have inspired them and how they can help. So if you guys want to help, please, please, please subscribe or share with your friends and family about the podcast or leave a comment on iTunes. That would truly mean a lot to me. And if you have any questions, shoot me an email at limitlessgrid at gmail.com. So without further ado, everyone, Bailey O'Brien. Bailey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Tristy. It's um, an honor to be here. <laughs> Thank you. It's an honor to have you. For people who are not familiar with you or your story, if you want to give us a little background. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I was 17 when I graduated from high school, and I, it took me a while to figure out where I was going to go to college. Um, but I had an opportunity to go to Boston University and be a diver on the swim and dive team. And while I was very scared of this opportunity of moving away from home, um, you know, home was comfort for me. Family was comfort. I just decided, okay, this is, I, I want to have a good career. I would, I, ideally I would like to meet my husband in college and I want to get a good degree and, if I can do something athletically, um, then I would like to do that also. So I took the leap of faith. I enrolled at Boston University. Um, the day that my parents dropped me off, I cried like crazy. <laughs> it was so hard. And I didn't really feel like I fit in very well at, at school. I was not really, I was not confident in myself at all. And I just felt like an outcast. All my teammates, my teammates were my friends and, um, they were super talented and I was not. And, um, studying for, for college level classes was hard. I'd never really studied that much in school. Um, and I just, I really missed my family. So I would call my mom every day, 
pretty much crying. <laughs> and she would try to comfort me, tell me I was going to be okay, but there was nothing she could say that would ever, um, you know, help me settle down. Just talking with her was the comfort that I found. And so eventually my mom was worried that I would make myself sick with my stress. So she prayed and asked God to give me a scare that would help my perspective. And lo and behold, in November, I found a suspicious mole on my right temple. I had it removed and biopsied, and it turned out that it was cancerous. And I found out when I came home for Christmas break, I um, it was late December. My mom picked me up from the, the bus station in Chinatown in New York City where she worked. And... Um, I come in the house, I put my bags down, and I see my dad sitting at the dining room table, and he's like, I think you should sit down. And then he told me that they got the results from the biopsy, and it was cancer. And so my, I like had no idea what to think. I didn't know anything about cancer, especially skin cancer. I didn't know if I would need chemotherapy, if I would need treatments or surgery, if I was going to live, if I was going to die, because it was just on my skin, you know, I didn't know, maybe it's not so serious, but my mom said that it was serious, and I had my first oncology appointment the day after Christmas, so that was kind of a bummer. Um, I went through the standard um, conventional methods. I had surgery. It turned out that the cancer had spread to a lymph node, so that made it stage three, and then they did um, kind of a major surgery on my neck, to remove 45 more lymph nodes and see if it had spread um, in my neck. And fortunately, it hadn't. But they suggested doing um, an immunotherapy drug called interferon to try to help prevent the cancer from recurring. And unfortunately, it did. Two years later, I was getting regular scans, and it came up on a scan. And I had a tumor behind my jaw. So that was right as I was um, entering my senior year of college. You know, my way of dealing with stress didn't really, like I didn't learn how to handle stress better at that time. I just, I ended up dating a guy in one of my classes. And so like, I didn't feel so stressed anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I had the, when the cancer came back, my confidence was built up and I felt like I fit in better with my friends. I was doing well academically and athletically. Um, and so I went through surgery um, again, and then the surgeon missed the tumor by a millimeter, so I had another surgery. And between surgeries, another tumor appeared. And so they ended up taking part of my ear in the second one, and they worked around a major facial nerve. So I had nerve paralysis in my face for, it, it took about a year for it to recover. It was pretty depressing. And I had broken up with my boyfriend at that time. So I was, I was home alone a lot. And I really missed my friends and was kind of bitter that my friends were at school having a good time. And I was not. <laughs> um, at that time, the chance that they can't, because the melanoma had returned, the chance that it could come back again was greater than 50%. And 
if and when it came back, it would be more serious. And we figured I had maybe between, like, the cancer could return within three to five years. And so I didn't have much life left to live. Like, I mean, I haven't been through, like, 1% of what you have been through. and But I've seen my mom go through cancer, and it's one of the hardest things. When you said your senior year, you know, like, you had just broken up with your boyfriend, and you the cancer had came back, and your friends were in school having fun. I've talked to you before, and you are such a positive person, and you look so much in terms of positivity. How did you come out of that negativity and become who you are? <laughs> well, um, a lot happened after that. Um, after I had the cancer the second time, I had surgery and then I had radiation. And then um, two weeks after I finished radiation, like I felt a lump under my chin. I was in Hawaii with my teammates on a training trip and I felt a little lump. So we came back from the trip and I went to see my doctor. She biopsied it. It was melanoma. I had a scan. It showed seven possible lesions in my neck, lung, and spine. And then I was totally hopeless um, because there were no conventional treatments um, that that would help me. There was nothing that could cure me, and that's what I was looking for. I wasn't looking for um, something to get me a couple extra months. I really I wanted a full life. And so... We started researching alternative treatments, and I ended up going to Mexico. After my diagnosis, there were there was a motivational speaker who came to BU to talk to the athletes, and it was perfect timing because I had just gotten my diagnosis, and he talked about staying positive and working hard and never giving up, and I took a ton of notes. <laughs> and he actually called me when I was searching for treatments and he told me he believed that I would get well and I was like oh my gosh hallelujah because <laughs> so many people didn't believe that I would get well but he was one of the few who did and so that was refreshing he helped me like he inspired me to stay positive um, and to inspire my my teammates and you know do the best that I could with a smile and um, he encouraged me to trust God, and I didn't know what I believed about God at that time. And I told him it was hard to believe that God, um, if he were real and loving, that he would allow suffering. And not not talking about my own, but I had a friend whose mom was dying of lung cancer, and his dad had passed away when he was in college or in middle school. And I thought, how is it fair that he's going to lose both his parents and He's an only child. He has no other family. And the guy said, yeah, I don't, I really don't know. I, it's just something like you have to let God handle. But he's, he still had faith in God and encouraged me to trust God and pray for a miracle. So I started praying for a miracle more often. And then um, eventually I got my miracle. I um, was in Mexico for three weeks and continued my treatments at home. I, I had to radically change my diet. I had to detox three times a day. I had, I had a mixed bacterial vaccine that I did three times a week, which gave me a fever and made my arms really sore. And every time I did it, I wanted to cry. Um, it was really hard, but 
first of all, by God's grace, he put someone in or put people in my life who believe that I would get well, people who helped guide me to the right treatments. And then third of all, that they actually worked. So there were three really important things that I needed that I couldn't have gotten on my own. And so because of that, because of the gift of the healing that I received, I wanted to know if God was real. And I wanted to know the purpose of my life because I couldn't believe that it was just by accident that I got well. And I wanted to do what I could to make, I guess, maybe to prove to myself that God had made the right decision in in giving me that chance to live my life. So um, really, God, I came to put my trust in Jesus as um, the payment for my sins and and gave him control of my life after I actually gave him a chance. And it was, it took a few months or several months for me to to come to a place where I believed, um, you know, after growing up, not knowing what I believed and feeling like God was looking down on me for the things I was doing wrong. When I went back to college after being healed, I read from the Bible about Jesus and met Christians who were not like who I was afraid of, like Jesus freaks who would make you feel really uncomfortable and pressure you into believing. Um, (laughs) and so Like, I wanted to be a Christian. I wanted to believe in God, but I had trouble believing. And the leader of the Christian fellowship, she asked me what I thought about how God works through people. And I thought, okay, that that makes sense. And coincidences, those could be God, but it wasn't enough. And so I was thinking about it on my own one day. And I thought how... Jesus was like my cancer treatments because most of the world doesn't believe in alternative medicine. They dismiss it as quackery. They don't think it works. Um, But few people follow it. And Jesus is the same way. Like, um, he's he's out there. Like, he, he lived and walked the earth and did miracles and all these amazing things. He died on the cross for our sins. He willingly died on the cross for people who were spitting on him and tortured him. And yet the world mostly doesn't believe in Jesus. And so I thought, well, I tried the alternative treatments and they worked. And they've worked for other people too. So maybe Jesus is the same way. Mm. And my, my experiences had humbled me to question what I believed to be true because Beforehand, I used to just rely solely on my doctors and their training and their knowledge to tell me what I needed to know about my health and what I needed to do. But when I got to the point where I was totally helpless and hopeless, they didn't have any options for me. And so I had to go out seeking something on my own. What is alternative treatment like? How does it work and why is it not available in the United States? Well, um, pharmaceutical companies mostly um, fund medical schools. And so from what I've read, um, what other doctors who have been conventionally trained um, say is that basically what they're trained to do is trained to on how pharmaceuticals work, how drugs work. And, and that's all they know. They know to prescribe drugs. Like instead of, let's say you have high blood pressure, Doctors won't focus so much on the cause of the high blood pressure. 
they'll focus more on treating it. And it's easy to just prescribe a pill. And, and it's easy for the patient as well um, to just take a pill instead of maybe changing their diet and lifestyle. And, and you're in that pill for all your life. Like my right. grandmother has diabetes. She's been taking medicine for like last 20 years. Yeah. And so I think doctors maybe don't even know that it's possible to heal a lot of things naturally. Or maybe they do, but they think it's too much work for the patient and they don't think that the patient will be willing to mm-hmm. to make the necessary changes. And then like pharmaceutical companies, they do a lot of lobbying. They've I read somewhere it was like $23 billion or something in the last 10 years they spent lobbying Congress. So our lawmakers are influenced by the pharmaceutical industry. And so it's really difficult. You can't patent an apple. You can't make money off of prescribing a healthy diet and lifestyle. And doctors do get kickbacks from pharmaceutical companies. You can look it up. I even (laughs) looked up um, an oncologist who dropped me as her patient. She's gotten a lot of money from pharmaceutical um, companies for, you know, giving lectures it's really interesting. I, oncologists make money off of um, prescribing chemo. It's such a sad world to live where is <laughs> everything is money, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when you think about people not believing global warming or a lot of things, at the end of the day, it's all lobbying. If you are... <laughs> trying to run for the office, you're going to need billions of dollars. And who's mm-hmm. going to give you billions of dollars? Uh, you know, like companies that make a lot of fatty food or drug companies. And instead of asking someone why you might be depressed, just give them like doses of depression medicine. And it just cures the surface and makes you numb for a day, but doesn't really go to the cause. Right. Plus, um, like if you wanted to do, you know, what would be the gold standard in medicine, a double-blinded, placebo-controlled clinical trial, that's millions of, or probably millions of dollars. And who has millions of dollars if you're like, like a grassroots movement, if you're studying nutrition or like an alternative treatment, you know, that you can't make money off of. There's just no way to do it. So if someone who's listening to my podcast right now, okay, for example, they found out they have cancer, right? And they are probably in your situation. What steps should they take next in order to heal? Hmm. I think, um, first of all, they need to know that healing is possible. And you could take my story as an example. There are many other people out there. Um, I think it's important above all else to do your own research, research as much as you can. You can start with Google. You can start with people in your community, you know, a health food store or worker. You can ask people if they know of anyone who's healed from cancer naturally Um, Try to find survivor stories, people who have healed from your type of cancer. You could go to websites like thetruthaboutcancer.com, crispycancer.com, cancercompassalternateroute.com, radicalremission.com. There's a book called Spontaneous Regression, I believe. There's like tons of chapters on almost every type of cancer and um, documented case studies of people who 
spontaneously um, or radically healed. And, and um, their stories, like what happened clinically, like did they have surgery, did they have a fever? Like a lot of times um, I think fever has caused or helped cause remission. And that's one of the treatments that I did. I had a, a treatment called Colifluid that um, helped me go into remission because I got, I got fevers from it. Someone who helped me um, in my treatments, his name is Gar Hildenbrand. He worked with Charlotte Gerson, and her father um, founded the Gerson therapy. He he helped cure patients of their cancers using diet and detox and supplements. His website is gerson-research.org. I have a friend who healed from stage four colon cancer. Her name is Evelise Page. She has a nonprofit called BelieveBig.org that helps guide um, people on their healing journey. She's she's actually raising money to do a clinical trial on mistletoe therapy, which helps boost your immune system when you're fighting cancer. So that was something that she did. She did um, a mistletoe. She changed her diet. She did homeopathy and supplements and, and of course, lots of prayer. Um, and she's been cancer-free for, I don't know, maybe around 10 years or so. And uh, there are online conferences you could watch, like The Truth About Cancer Live. Um, that's October 5th through 7th um, this year. It's the second annual conference. There's Healing Cancer in This Century. Um, there are online coaching programs. There's Beat Cancer God's Way by Dr. Eric Zielinski. He's a chiropractor. Um there is Square One by Chris Wark. There's the Radical Remission online coaching program. Um, I'm working on putting together some free videos. Um, there's just so much information. So you need to research. And because there is so much information, you also need to pray for guidance. And like we were talking about before, um, and, and as I've read in other books, um, even by people who are spiritual but maybe don't believe in God or um, aren't Christians, they, they say you have to submit and just, you know, stop resisting what they call the universe is trying to tell you. How do you not resist? Like, this is something I personally struggle with. It's believing, you know. Um, like, I'm really have a hard time and I know so many of my friends or like people I know they want to have faith like yours they want to believe like you believe but there is your head that is constantly saying oh that's not true you can't see it like how do you I think believing is like practicing how do you practice to believe more mm. yeah that's a really good question because I, I struggle with that, too. Um, like, I could start and or end my day, you know, believing and trusting God. But then it's during the day where I have difficulty holding on to that faith. And so I've I've put reminders in my phone to, to read or, um, you know, have a reminder for a verse of scripture. And so I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> Um, so I think you have to remind yourself of what you believe and be around other people who believe what you believe and pray. Ask God to help you 
and he will. Do you think, I mean, you know, you changed your diet, you went to Mexico, you did so much, right? But do you think you would have been cured if it wasn't for your belief? If, if you look at the radical remission um, research that Dr. Kelly Turner did, she interviewed over a thousand people who healed of cancer, and she traveled around the world interviewing healers who help people heal from their cancer. And she found nine factors that came up over and over again among these people. And one of the, the top factors was having strong reasons for living. So if you have like strong enough reasons to do something, you're going to do everything that you can to push past the obstacles. And I just think either you have the belief or you don't. Mm. Um, I mean, you can cultivate it. I mean, you just have to have that motivation within you. Yeah. It's the Um, book Man's Search for Meaning, right? Have you read it? No, I haven't. It's uh, by Viktor Franklin. He's in Auschwitz concentration camp, and he said people who survived is because they had a reason big enough to, you know, go through that. And he said, like, ha- happiness is not something you pursue, it's ensue, it comes from within. Yeah, I agree. Um, how was it when you came back from Mexico, three weeks after you came back from Mexico, and going to your doctor and finding out that you didn't have cancer anymore. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was crazy. So, um, my oncologist at Sloan Kettering, he ordered the scan and I went the day before my 21st birthday to get the results. So, and the tumor that I had under my chin had gone away. So I was hopeful that, um, the other tumors in my body were responding, but I wasn't sure. So (laughs) he sent in like two people ahead of himself to talk to me, ask me questions. And then he comes in and he's pretty expressionless. And he asked me what I did in Mexico. And he like takes notes, which he never does (laughs) or never did. And then he just like doesn't say anything. And he, he walks over and washes his hands. And then he dries his hands and he leans against the against the sink and and he's just like looking down like he's really thinking hard about something I'm like well what did the result what did the scan say and he says well we don't use pet scans anymore like they're not the best thing to to know what's going on for melanoma anymore or something like that but it appears from your scan that you have no sign of active disease And I didn't know what that meant. I was like, what? Explain that. And what he was saying was that the cancer was all gone. My, my, my imagination, like, didn't even think that that was possible to have that incredible result, like in such a short period of time. It was, it was just over two months after I'd gotten my original diagnosis with Mm -hmm. seven lesions. It was such a wave of relief, like, like I had this burden lifted from me and I broke down crying and I cried for days. I was so relieved not to have to worry about my health anymore. Like like I felt like I had finally beaten the cancer and not just 
it's not like I was waiting again to find out if it was going to come back. I felt like I had actually addressed the cause and that I was, you know, as long as I kept up with what I needed to do and to maintain my health, I felt like I was probably going to, you know, hopefully live a long time. And, and so I just was incredibly happy and grateful to be alive. That, that must be such a powerful moment. And I also think like recovering from cancer was like a physical experience, but I'm sure you had so much of emotional pain that you went through and how was recovering with that and constant fear of, you know, um, I'm sure like even if it wasn't cancer, you're probably constantly thinking about it. How did you recover through that, or are you still recovering? You know, I had to continue with the coli fluid shots, which gave me a fever and um, were painful. So that in itself was a struggle. And I continue. I as time went on, I had I was able to decrease the frequency of the treatments and the work of the juicing and. Um, you know, it was, it was hard and I was fearful. Like I wanted to do everything that I could to make sure that the cancer wouldn't come back. And so it was stressful when I couldn't get the right supplies that I needed or, you know, people asked me what my, if my family asked me what they could cook for me, I was like, this food is okay. And I wasn't sure I'd just be stressed out and say no, like, because I, because I don't know, I'm just going to assume that I can't have it. Um, and so I would, you know, I'd worry with my scans, what's the scan going to show, um, little pains and bumps I would worry over. And I think it was November. I don't know what year it was. It might've been 2013. I had on a scan, um, it showed that like, I always had this one spot in my chest that was not cancer, but it was it was like larger than it should have been. I, I think it's the thymus gland, which is supposed to shrink when you get older. But mine was kind of larger than it should have been or they would have expected it. So on one of my scans, it showed that it had grown. And this was after I was in remission. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what the heck? Like, I'm doing everything I should be doing. Is it cancer? Like, and if so, why? And, and what am I going to do? And then... Um, like I was stressed out for nine weeks (laughs) and then I had a scan and, and it had shrunk. I was like, oh my gosh, I felt like it was God telling me that I, I didn't need to be afraid and I could just trust him. And so I started to trust God more. And as time went on, I, I became more confident in my health that my cancer wasn't going to return. And I think, you know, as long as I have faith that I'm doing what I need to do to stay healthy and not have cancer develop again in my body, then I have peace. Mm, that's beautiful. And I, I like what you said. It's like you believe in God, you have faith, but at the same time you're doing what needs to be done. I think right. a lot of times... Um, people especially me were like oh just pray but not do the work and I think for prayers to work you have to work as well I think prayer it aligns us with with God and his his heart and his will and so you know when we're doing that 
if if we're listening, if we if we're not holding on to to something and resisting him, then you know he'll he'll show us like you need to do your part too. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to ask, like you say, you are what you eat. What do you eat now? And you know, what should be people eating? Hmm. That's a really good question, and it's something. <laughs> um. You know, I'm still trying to figure out with specifics for people, especially when they have cancer, because everybody is unique and based on our gene pool. I think our genes do play a role in our health, like not to the degree that society, I think, makes it out to be, um, because I think a lot of people try to blame um, poor health on genetics when most of it has to do with your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But for example, I was reading about Dr. Um, William Kelly, who cured himself of pancreatic cancer and who went on to help probably thousands of other people with their cancer. He studied, um, I think it was Dr. Weston Price, or um, someone who had traveled the world and observed what diets people were eating. Like um, the Inuits in Alaska, they were eating a ton of um, like animals and a lot of fat, and they were healthy. Like, and then there were, you know, there's people in China who eat a lot of rice and, and vegetables. They were healthy, like in rural communities um, or communities that hadn't been influenced by uh, Western Westernized McDonald's. foods. And, yeah. So I think for the average healthy person or, you know, even if you have cancer in general, avoiding processed foods, um, foods that come out of a bag, foods that are on the out, on the inside aisles, foods that are packaged, have added sugar, um, salt things that don't really look a lot like their original form from the earth. Um, and if you have animal protein to have something that has not been given antibiotics and added hormones, like cows were meant to feed on grass. If, if the cows are eating um, genetically modified corn, they're not going to be as healthy. And therefore, if you eat it, you're not going to be as healthy as you should either. You know, I think getting as close to nature as you can and, our soil is depleted, so maybe taking supplements could help or juicing. I juice. Um, I have juice pretty much almost every day. What kind of juice? Um, I have leafy. I make like a. I had a lot of ingredients. I used to do separate juices: carrot, apple juice, and a leafy green juice. But now I combine it all. I have kale or um, Swiss chard, collard greens. Romaine lettuce, green peppers, red cabbage, carrots, celery, lemon, ginger, beets. Wow. <laughs> so a lot of different stuff. It's so interesting. I think we don't realize it, but like little things adds up. And I used to make fun of one of my roommates who was super like into organic food. And <laughs> and she did like holistic health um, coaching. And I would just be like... Okay. Oh. Yeah, which is super cool. But like when I was living with her, I was not as evolved as I, as I am now. And I would just like make fun of her. I'm like, 
yeah, I got this. It's organic. Ha ha. But like, the more I learn about it, the more I realize, wow, like if you're feeding this chicken corn, I'm eating that sugar. It's so easy to not care, but it's your health. It's your body. You only have one body. And it's really, especially meat, I think it's so important to eat organic or... And, um... The genetically modified organisms, they can actually change, like, our DNA and our gut. (laughs) It's scary stuff. Like, you don't really know um, what is possible, like, like what the long-term health effects are of the food industry, what they're doing to our food. Yeah, and I've I've, I've been reading, and it says, like, your gut gut is as important as your brain like your gut instinct is actually a thing yeah yeah you have probably trillions of nerves in your gut yeah or something like that maybe billions (laughs) yeah um so i want to ask you some rapid fire questions too sure what advice would you give to your 18 year old self oh my gosh (laughs) get ready (laughs) Um, I, I've struggled a lot with anxiety and I, I think I need to tell myself this now too, but let go and let God Mm -hmm. as cheesy as that sounds. But I think that's probably best advice I could give myself. I think I know a lot of people, especially like who are in colleges and high schools. And I mean, I just turned 24 and I personally feel like super anxious about uncertainty of my future and everything. What else do you do to feel that peace and less anxious? Mm. I pray and I ask God to help me to feel his presence and to know that he's there and to know that he loves me and cares for me and is going to help me get through whatever I'm dealing with. Yeah, and, and you believe in that. Yeah. Mm. I know you read a lot. If you want to recommend, like, a couple of books, what would they be? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a Christian, so I read the Bible. That's That's really the biggest thing for me that helps me... Um, you know, wake up with hope and excitement and joy and gives, gives me strength, um, and, and faith to believe that I can do what I, I feel God is calling me to do. Um, another book that I really like is The Defining Decade. It, I forget who the author is, but it's, about why your 20s matter and how to make the most of them. Mm. And it's written by um, a woman who had a lot of unhappy, like, 30-something-year-olds in her practice. And so she takes, like, lessons that they've learned, um, you know, regrets that they have of not taking initiative in their 20s. Um, So, like, people will be end up unhappy in where they are in their relationships or in their marital status or um, in their career because they feel that they've wasted their 20s. And so for me, like, I tend to be fearful and um, 
not take opportunities when they come or not seek out opportunities. And so one thing that I took away from that book is to ask for things. And so I, it's funny, I ended up asking to share my story at a fundraiser dinner and I ended up meeting uh, Dr. Kelly Turner who wrote the book Radical Remission. And yeah. And then it was just really cool. I was like, whoa, (laughs) like one simple question can can really have a huge impact on your life. Um, so someone who's 20-something right now, right, um, who has a regular job, who goes out on weekend and, you know, doing what needs to be done, how can they make their 20s more productive, you think? Mm. I think if you think about what you want to accomplish in your life, thinking... Um, you know, what if you're 80 or 100 years old and you look back at your life, what do you want it to look like? And so take steps that you think will help you get there. Um, I've been thinking a lot about that lately, too. Like I want um, my life to be productive, to, to matter. I want the things that I'm doing day in and day out to have an impact and not just be something that I do that that doesn't count Um, as simple as you know talking to the guy who pumps your gas (laughs) and it's it's kind of overwhelming too and I I I think I have this uh, overdoing syndrome sometimes you want (laughs) to you want to be like oh I'm doing this 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 and check it off and at the end of the day you still feel unfulfilled because instead of being present and grateful you're running towards like achieving 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 and I think that could be so bad as well (laughs) yeah I'm guilty of that as well and sometimes I think like oh I have free time like what do I have to do like what should I be doing like this summer I had more free time than usual and and I really felt that God was just saying like come come be with me like come nearer (laughs) to me and I, I really resisted it because it's hard to be still and and not do anything and just listen or just, you know, be still. But I think that that's something that God values. He wants us to, yeah. to spend time with him. And it's okay to have yeah. quiet moments. But sometimes you just feel like you're wasting your time, right? Yeah, no, totally. (laughs) Or or even like watching a serial, you're like, man, I'm just wasting 10 hours. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But you have your own website and you're helping other cancer patients as well. If you want to talk a little bit about what you do now and how you were inspired to do this. So um, I try to get out of this a lot, but I think what... (laughs) Because it's, it's, I think cancer is a big, um, a big deal. And when you're like, I'm a cancer coach and I think I, I take it seriously what I do. I don't want to misguide someone in the wrong direction. Um, ultimately I know God is in control, but as long as I can control what I'm saying and how I'm directing people, I think I want to know, um, facts and, have factual information to share with people. Um, I do YouTube videos I research and then usually share a video about what I've learned. 
So that's free. Um, I also, so I send out emails with those videos. Um, so if someone's interested, they could, there's a juicing guide and a pain and detox ebook on my website, baileyobrien.com. But I also really like one thing that God has changed about my heart is I, I like talking with people now. I used to not really like people. (laughs) And so when I graduated high school, I thought, oh, I'd like to, um, I don't know, work in a lab or somewhere where I don't have to talk to people. <laughs> but I like I like meeting people and and talking with them. So I um, I do phone consultations. If someone lives in the area, they're welcome to come and talk with me in person in my office. Um, I also do Skype calls, and I I ask them, you know, a bit about their health history and what they think caused their cancer, and I try to help guide them in their diet, what what they can eat to get um, healthy and regain their health, what how they can detox, maybe supplements that they can take, treatments that might be right for them, or facilities or doctors to pursue, mm. uh, books to read, and so I just try to um, I I try to help instill belief in people that they can get well, and then help guide them to the right resources and and pray with them and for them that that they'll know what to do and that it will work. Wow. How do you have, how can one have your belief? My belief? That yeah, like the belief that you can do it and just believing that you can even heal a stage four cancer. Mm-hmm. Do you think it just came to you? Do you think you cultivated or... Do you think it was God's grace or like someone who is not a believer right now who has cancer and who wants to get healed, what can they do to have that kind of belief? Mm. I think if you ask God with sincerity for help believing, I think he will help you believe. Um other survivor stories are really important to help you believe. I think also sometimes coming to the end of your options is motivating to uh, to believe um, that you know there's something out, something else out there. And and for me, trying something that didn't work, <laughs> giving that up, and I think really. Mostly for me, it was God's grace because he put people in my life who believed that I would get well. And so they they led me. They um, helped transfer that belief mm-hmm. so that I could believe as well. Um, last question. What is your definition of courage? For me, courage is being afraid and doing it anyway. Thank you so much, Bailey. Thank you. It was really um, a pleasure and a fun fun time talking with you. Thank Same. you so much. Same. Thank you so much. Hey, you guys. Thank you so, so much for listening to this podcast. I really, really appreciate your time. And if you enjoyed this episode, then make sure to subscribe because every single week I will come up with awesome and epic interviews like this one. And do not forget to check out my website, limitlessgrid.com for show notes.